Welcome back into another episode of Behind the Bench with Carter Eckel. We are on episode 56. I'm your host, Carter E. Of course, joining me, as always, from the other side of this perfectly round table is Jeff Mulvihill of InstaImage.com. You can follow his work online at www.InstaImage.com for all your uh, Carson City photography needs. I know you do. You expand more than that, but at least for the the Carson High School population, uh, InstaImage.com is your place to go. Before we go any further, I know I've been thinking that at the end of the episodes recently, but started off by uh, thanking Double J Auto in Gardnerville. You can find them online at www.doublejautoenv.com. A big shout out to them for being our main sponsor this far. Jeff, we've got. Some results to go over as far as basketball and wrestling is concerned. We are down to four teams in the World Cup, so we will get there as well. Uh, we will have a guest next week. That has been confirmed, so I will tease that a little more later. However, I'm going to start with making a promise to all of our listeners because I was listening to the radio on the way here. We're not going to ever do a top. We're not going to rank Thanksgiving foods. We're not going to do a bracket of best Christmas songs or best Halloween candy or anything like that. We will not bore you to tears with awful, awful content that doesn't really give anybody what they're looking for. Whether you feel that way about the rest of the content, up to you, but we won't at least bore you with that. So taking a look at the uh, Douglas and Carson basketball results from the last week or so, uh, Douglas fell to Damani Ranch by one uh, on Tuesday, the 6th. That was 43-42. Excuse me, that was the Tigers' first loss in league play. Granted, they've only had two league games. They opened up the season with a 54-52 win over Reno, which I know we talked about previously. Um, after that Damani Ranch game, they took on Ashland and won in double OT, 69-63. Did not get in that game against Grant's Pass on Friday, thanks to all this fresh white powder we have outside. Um, they did play Woodland Christian Saturday, but uh, Woodland Christian only had six kids, so Douglas won that game by 40, uh, 83-43 there. However, the big news for... Uh, Douglas High from this weekend was they inducted eight players into their uh, Douglas High Basketball Hall of Fame. It was I was told to think it was the first time in six or seven years they've they've inducted anybody. So it was a a good class to get in here. Um, Frank Pitts got is had was was one of the eight uh, to make it there. We had Mike Gransberry from 2007, Keith Olson as well from 2007, Chris Downs from 2011, uh, Jessica Wagner from 2009. Bridget um, Mastretti from 2008, Julie Gingrich from 2004, and then, of course, Coach Dave Pfaffenberger, who coached there from 2003 to 2018. Uh, so eight new entrants into the uh, Douglas High Hall of Fame. I had talked to a couple of them. That story will be in Wednesday's uh, Record Courier as well. Pretty cool event to to catch the end of. Um, I caught the, the event. I caught the end of the, the basketball game there, but... A cool thing for for Douglas High to do. I know it was uh, <laughs> the, the plans had to get worked around a little bit. It was supposed to be Friday against Grants Pass, but obviously that game got uh, canceled, so they moved it to Saturday. And then, of course, Woodland Christian only had six kids, and there was no girls' game, so uh, wasn't much of a of a basketball contest, so to speak. But uh, still a cool event overall. It's and for me, it's always cool to see. 
um, those those walls of recognition grow on the sideline, especially um, when you've got you know a, I don't want to say a class worth inducting, but you've got it's worth worth worthwhile to do. And um, it seems like you know everybody there was was able to reminisce on their their time with Douglas uh, pretty well. So like I said, you can find that story on online at uh, com backslash news backslash sports. That will be coming out here um, shortly. I know it will be in Wednesday's print edition if you're listening to the podcast and it's not online just yet. Uh, as I said a couple times already, Wildland Christian only was able to play with six kids thanks to all this snow that we got over the weekend. However, J.C. Reed led the Tigers with 14 points in that one. Uh, Jack Tolbert and Jet Lehman both had 11 for Douglas, and then Thomas McDowell added 10 points as well. Uh, looks like just about anybody who is on the varsity roster got in to this game for, for Douglas, assuming they're not, not injured or otherwise. But lots of kids on the score sheet here. Um, looks like we've got... 12 different Tigers who were able to at least put up points in some form or fashion. So Douglas boys now sitting at four and three so far. They will get Reed this week on the road, and that's that's it as far as Max Preps goes. That's Granted, I know Max Preps is not the best place to check for these schedules, but um, at Reed appears to be the only game they have this week um, before getting into one more league game against McQueen on the 22nd. And then, of course, you know, we hit the, the kind of winter, winter break, if you will. Douglas girls put up a convincing win over Damani Ranch, who I know is a little shorthanded after having uh, two transfers end up at Reno High. Douglas, of course, won that game 58-13. to A lot of lopsided quarters there, but a 14-0 third quarter uh, really put that game out of reach after it was 36-11 at the half. Three different Tigers we're in double digits. Uh, Addie Dore had 13 points. She was 5 of 7 from the floor to go along with uh, 4 rebounds two and 2 steals as well for the Tigers. Mackenzie Main and Ella Gardner both had 11 for Douglas in a very convincing win for their first win in, in league play. They are sitting at 2 and 4 at the moment and, of course, will... Also take on Reed Thursday on the road. Um, Reed is three and one currently. Jeff, you and I were both at Carson High over the last couple days. I know you saw the girls play Fallon. I'll let you briefly touch on that one here in just a moment. Uh, the boys, on the other hand, fell to Sparks earlier this week, 49-37. A, a tough loss for a team that I know is is figuring it out, right? I mean, we've said this before. New coach, new system. You lost your two best players from last season, or at least your two seniors from last season who led the team in scoring. If that's how you want to view best players, I'll leave that up to you. But just a lot of new pieces they had to fill and plug and place and kids who are honestly getting their first varsity looks this season. And uh, it showed against Sparks, that's for sure. Um, and and my, my tease here is we will have – Carson High head coach Ty Golden on next week. Um, so that will be something that we can get a listen to what he thinks through the first, uh, I believe they'll be through about six or seven games um, by the time we get him on next week. I know they play Galena um, on Thursday before they have another another weekend matchup. But against Sparks, uh, DiCarlo Quintana tried to, tried to do what he could. He had 
you know, 12 points and 12 rebounds for the Senators, but but elsewhere they just they just struggled from the field. I mean, four of 26 from three got a little too comfortable um, from the outside. That's that's 15 percent. That's not gonna not gonna win you any games there. And you know, of course, only shot 30 percent from the floor overall. So uh, definitely things to work on for the Senators. I won't won't harp on it too much there, but um, you know, at least they they're starting to figure out what they've got and where they can where they can make those adjustments moving forward so a very very important week coming up for for Carson um, against Galena that that is a big game and one that can definitely help uh, the boys get back on track the girls I don't have a don't have any results here but the girls fell to Fallon 68 41 uh, on Saturday night that was a 7 p.m. tip off so a late game on Saturday for uh, for the Carson girls I was not able to make that but Jeff you were there at least taking photos so I know as we've talked about taking photos and trying to remember what happened in the game are two very different things if you don't know what we're talking about give it a try sometime Jeff what'd you kind of see from from that just from uh you know another another tough loss for for Carson basketball I, I think we kind of discussed it before they're very very young uh, they've got one senior, no juniors. Uh, I believe eight sophomores. Yeah, and a couple of freshmen. And varsity sports is not. I mean, it, it it's a fast paced game, and I don't remember. I know Alondra played varsity last year. Mm-hmm. She's a sophomore. Same with Lauren Finnerty. Lauren Finnerty. That was it. And and I believe that's yeah. There are so, only two. Right, and and those two stand out. I mean, you can tell they've played varsity before. And it's not to take anything away, but varsity, even even Fallon, it's faster. And absolutely, uh, they they've got some work to do. But uh, I th- I think the same thing. You know, it, as you were talking about the boys' game, the same thing was in my mind during the game. Is they're they're hanging with them. It's it's that fourth quarter that they just kind of run out of gas, run out of ambition. I don't, I don't know what it is that they're running out of, but. You know, you get two points behind and then three, four, five, six, you know, a couple times up the floor, you're 10 points back and you're you're not getting back from that unless you've got confidence. And I don't know how to dig that back in a basketball game because it's been more than more than too many decades since I've played basketball. But, (laughs) um, you know, they seem to be able to kind of hang with them. But. Shooting like that, you, you got to start taking higher percentage shots. I'm guessing, getting yeah. inside and yeah, and I, I mean, this isn't again, this isn't to harp on anything. I think, you know, it it kind of goes without saying that for for teams that are that are struggling early in the year, uh, I think recipe formula to success number one is limiting turnovers, and whether that's literal turnovers as you know, bad passes, um, etc., or that's bad shots. Because yeah. in in my opinion, bad shots count as turnovers especially if a team's able to grab a rebound and instantly move it down the floor the other direction um, but it is a game of runs and that's that's the thing is you know there are going to be moments where or teams you don't I guess I'm speaking in first person for somebody else but there are going to be moments where teams that people don't feel are as good make runs on teams that are you know supposedly much better and finding a way to to counter that back is is huge and is a huge step for for teams to make especially young teams to prove to themselves really that hey we can go down by 10 and not feel like we got to hang our heads instantly and this is over so that'll be that'll be a big step for for both teams here and again like i said they're through 
seven games combined of the season. The Carson girls are 0-3. The the boys are sitting there at 1-3, I believe, at this point. So a lot of season left for both these teams to uh, start start clicking. But I, I do think it's it's a time thing right now for, for both of them. And uh, for the girls, they take on Lassen uh, Tuesday away game. I guess the roads will be clear by then. It should be. I don't think anything that. I mean, that that road is normally pretty well plowed and pretty well cleaned. And then they've got Galena at home Thursday, as do the boys, and then Reno at home Saturday, as do the boys as well. So some now, of the, Galena has the former. Carson, correct. Yeah, Carson Tiffany player. Tiffany O'Day is the Galena head coach. Uh, she used to play at at Carson uh, under Coach Ackerman too in his first his first stint with the Senators. So. Uh, we'll see. We'll a see. Homecoming. Yeah, a little homecoming for sure. Moving on to uh, Cody Lauk Invitational. Got some uh, results to run through here. Both Carson and Douglas were out in Winnemucca this uh, weekend. So real quickly for these, uh, excuse me, for the Tigers, Aaron Takanzik was second at 190 pounds. Uh, he picked up 24 team points there. Michael White was also second for the Tigers at heavyweight. Um, he fell in the first place match to uh, a wrestler from Spanish Springs, whereas Sage Addy was fifth at 215. Uh, Jackson Nixon was fourth at 175. Granted, they had a couple wrestlers at 175 there, just for clarification. Dalton Nixon was fifth at 157. Uh, Colton Zinn was sixth at 150. And it looks like that is it for the placers there outside of Cody Highfield, who is also sixth at 120 pounds. Uh, for the record, Carson was fourth as a team with 190-ish points, I believe. And the Tigers were fifth with 170-plus. So keep an eye out for when these two meet because, I mean, obviously as rivals, schools, they, they're always uh, up for, for one another. But this year they've got... Both teams have quite a bit of turnout that um, I believe, you know, they were expecting to some extent, but maybe not to, to others. And, you know, we may see two two teams face off here in uh, league duels where they both have 14 wrestlers at each weight class, which I don't believe is something I've seen since I got here. Uh, and this will be my, I guess, technically fourth wrestling season, given they had the, the short season in the spring after the pandemic. Anyways, over to some of the Senator results at 106. Jesse Oliva was fifth for Carson. Amber Perkins continues to show why she is one of the, the top wrestlers in the North. She was second at 120 pounds for the Senators, only losing in that first place match there. Lucas Wold didn't have much issues at all. He had two pins within 30 seconds. He takes first place at 126 pounds, a state title or, yeah, state final returnee for the Senators, and clearly a wrestler who has not lost a step so far for Carson. Angel Vega was fifth at 132, Jet Rupert sixth at 138. Looking elsewhere, we got Zach Reamer and Toby Crable were sixth and fifth. Uh, Raymer at 165, Crable at 144. For the Senators, Jeffrey Heaton was second. At 175 pounds, again, his only loss comes uh, by a, looks like a fall in the first round to who else but Spanish Springs. Dominic Porter at heavyweight was fourth for Carson there. So some good results for both teams here early on 
in the season. I know that Cody Luck Invitational always gets a ton of top talent from from the North. Really, I think most wrestling teams from the North end up out there um, in some way, shape, or form. All right. I know we briefly talked about realignment last week. However, it's we have we the NIAA has finalized a proposal. It really changes the football landscape. Everything else, for the most part, I mean, stays the same. Girls soccer is going to drop to four A. Well, but all the North State. I shouldn't. Drop. I shouldn't say is going to these. The realignment committee approved these changes. But the realignment committee still has to have the NIAA Board of Control approve what the realignment committee approved. You with me so far? Yeah, sure. Okay. So it gets worse. The realignment committee approved that Northern Nevada girls soccer will drop to 5A, 4A. Drop from 5A to 4A next year. Um, That was based, I mean, again, these are all based off competitiveness. This is not a, this is not a, I don't know. There are a thousand other arguments as to why people think these these things are happening. It's based off competitiveness. The numbers are there. I'm sorry if it offends our so, coaches. So or, hug will come up. Correct. And all so there'll be ten teams in, down in four A now. Um, and then the boys soccer stays five A. Boys soccer will stay five A. They have a lot more teams now. I believe Douglas will be back in the five A ranks after a couple years in four A. Minogue will be back up as well. And again. <laughs> Teams can still petition to move, so take all these these team names with a little bit of a grain of salt because it is still possible that they petition back down before the board of control approves right. this. Yeah, <laughs> you confused yet? Because we well, we haven't even really gotten to yeah, the brunt of it. Regarding soccer, Minogue doesn't really have any legs to stand on. Douglas, I could probably say that they may or could, but yeah, you can't go win a state championship and then petition to go back down. I don't think girls golf will move from five, a to four, a, which I think, uh, from, which I think surprised some people because from the discussion, it was, it was very interesting that the South five, a was clearly better than the North five, a just, it is based off results. It was, you watched Coronado come up and dominate at Toyabi where they had a girl shoot a 64. I mean, incredible. And I believe she was a sophomore. Now, the North 5A compared to the South 4A was smack dab in the middle. So it was interesting to see that they chose to drop girls golf in the North to 4A because I do, based off the numbers they were putting out and the, you know, the results they were showing, it seems like the North, the gap between North 5A and South 4A was still fairly substantial. So I'm curious how that shakes out for the next two years. If that's approved, could be... Could be two. I mean, I don't want to say could be two North titles, but um, it based off the numbers from the last two seasons, Northern Five A girls golf was much better than Four uh, A girls golf. There was a pretty big gap, um, but there was also a decent gap from Southern Five A to Northern Four A. So, again, you kind of come down to who fits where in this puzzle piecing thing, and I think that's part of the reason why there's a lot of confusion and people who are upset about things moving because it's not the rubric's not clear and it's not. I don't th- know if there's enough light put on it. And maybe that's my fault, right? Maybe I should should open that up more and do more stories on that. And if uh, if you're still with us this far and well, you're like, that's a great idea, email me, uh, C-E-C-K-L, E-C-K-L, at NevadaPeel.com. Go ahead, Jeff. I think it's – we're not talking about one sport here. If we can single in and focus on one single sport, then maybe it becomes clearer than mud. But when you've got a 
try to blanket and say, oh, it applies to all. That's almost impossible. Well, they don't, they're not, every sport is different. These yeah. are all sport by sport yeah. realignments. Well, that's, that's, I mean, this is a big, big task to take on. And, and the 4A, 5A, I mean, when there is no 4A in the North State, what, what's the risk of moving it down? You're going to be competitive with, hopefully competitive with Southern Nevada, but in the North State, it's, you're, you're all moving. Yeah, and to be fair, it's not like Southern Nevada wants Northern Nevada to be taking titles from them, which is part of the problem here. Um, however, let's get to football, shall we? Um, <laughs> all right, so the North will still be 5A. Hug will come up to the North, so there's going to be 10 teams in 5A. <laughs> Big asterisk, still pending full right. approval. Okay. I've covered my basis there. The Southern 5A will have the top six teams from the South 5A pulled up. They will play the regular season as normal. Ignore everything I just said. (laughs) 5A will play the regular season as normal. Southern, Northern will play as normal. Once the season ends, the top six teams based off a rubric or max preps rankings, which they haven't decided yet, will go in up into an open division. So in other words, we'll likely be Gorman and five other teams from Southern 5A. We'll move up into to an open division. Up to two teams from Northern 5A can petition into that open division if they want to. There's been a lot of speculation on whether or not the Minogues of the world are going to do that every year, if they're not going to do it at all, if it is actually going to vary year by year based off whether they think they're competitive or not, I don't know. The open division could have six teams from Vegas and two teams from the north, up to two teams from the north. That bracket will change based off whether they're six or eight or even seven. Um, however, the northern 5A will still be its own state title, right? So eight teams from the north will still compete for a northern 5A regional title. Eight teams from the south will still compete for a 5A regional title and then the winners will play for a 5a state title so granted there will be now be 10 teams in northern 5a and 14 teams in southern 5a i think that made sense i got a little tangle in my own brain i'll be honest 4a south still exists will still be its own thing 3a is still its own deal as well but that top end of the postseason, I think, is where they were really looking to make changes because we saw it the last two years. Once Gorman reaches somebody in the north, it's not really worth uh, much of it. Yeah. I mean, when they've outscored in the last two state title games, they've outscored their opponents 120-something to 13. It's just, again, it's a competitiveness argument. It has nothing to do with school population numbers or geography or anything like that. This is completely based off of the NIAA trying to find competitive results. And I'm not even saying that somebody winning by 28, that might be, that might be a win for uh, the NIAA in, in their books. I don't know, but 70 to six isn't, isn't cutting it. It isn't good for anybody. And to be honest, I'm not sure it's a good look for Northern Nevada or Nevada athletics in general. So I hope that made sense. Um, If it didn't, don't worry. I did a much better job because I wrote it all out 
that is online, www.nevadapeel.com backslash news backslash sports. That headline is NIAA's Realignment Committee Finalizes Fall Proposal. So again, everything we just said is with a caveat that it still needs to be approved by the NIAA Board of Control. And that this is just a caveat this. We're only talking fall sports so far. We haven't Correct. even gotten into winter and spring yet. Correct. So and more the, to come. If if the Board of Control doesn't like this football proposal, they may bump the whole thing and put it into the winter or spring right. realignment discussions. So nothing is finalized yet. This is just the proposal that they have at the moment. Well, I think the big thing is you're still going to be playing the same teams. Yeah. So other than uh, the big change for the North will be hug comes up to five, eight. Yeah. Which Uh, is, I mean, it, I don't, was it two years? I don't know how long this thing has been going on. They were, they were up a few years back. Yeah. So they've gotten much more competitive. Um, and so, yeah, then it'll just be postseason changes and whether eight teams from the North go nine teams from the North go to the playoffs or all 10. Um, but we will, we will get there in January. Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Jeff, quickly on the World Cup, we're down to four. We will have a winner by this weekend, um, this coming weekend, that is. And right now we've got Argentina, Croatia in one side, and then France and Morocco in the other. I think it's safe to say that Morocco is officially the team of the tournament for everybody. They are the first African nation to even make the semifinal, let alone pull off some of the upsets that they have to this point. Who, Interesting fact about them. Who's gonna? They well, have they have been scored on one time, and they scored the goal. <laughs> An own goal is the only goal against them this tournament. Is, but does it end with France? Romantically, yes. Realistically, they're very, very good at the back, and they just pack it in. And the way that they fly out on counterattacks, you know, I I listen to a lot of soccer podcasts and. You know, people talking about tactics and techniques and all this, and just breaking down what those guys do. They they're okay with you having the ball the whole game, mm-hmm. which is interesting because France doesn't want the ball. So, going to be super interesting games. Uh, that tweet I sent you yesterday about France and Croatia, uh, <laughs> Croatia, Morocco, Croatia, Morocco, just, <laughs> just sitting down for 120 minutes before PK is kind of cracked me up. But I hope that doesn't happen. Obviously, but France is going to have to come out with something. Uh, Kyle Walker on England completely controlled Mbappe the, the, during the game, and somebody else stepped up, and that's that's called the champion. So. Uh, I'll be very curious to see. Um, I think Morocco is much more physical, and I don't know if I don't know if France can handle that. Um, their physicality. I mean, they, their defense was making some bad mistakes, and the giving up penalty kicks were just really, really not smart decisions by the defenders. And with VAR, what are you expecting to have happen? And the world is watching, and we're all yeah. you know review happy about all that. You know. He broke a fingernail or something, and he's falling on the floor. To be honest, I thought the way we hit, the way instant replay has evolved to this point, to where we can see everything in slow motion at high definition, that it would have solved the flopping problem just a little bit. Michael Oliver, he didn't call a lot of stuff. He's an English ref, and he's been an English ref for a long time. I think he's been refing the Premiership for twelve years. Started when he was twenty-five, and he was letting a lot of flopping go. I'm like, 
And and they specifically had a meeting about it at the beginning. And it's so obvious, like you said, it's so obvious, but that's not something that they're going to call and go, hey, that guy flopped. Well, I'm not sure it's always so obvious, but a lot of the times it is. In replay, it is. Well, in replay, it, it can be. But yeah. however, you still have professional athletes at the peak of their athleticism looking like they got shot from across well, and, the stadium. And, and to, to their credit... And a lot of people don't like Alexi Lawless, but his take on it is it's part of the drama of the game. Absolutely. It's something that you're not getting the calls from the refs, so you're going to go down easy. Well, the yeah, and the reason why they do it is because it works. Well, and, and they've gotten used to, I know how to draw the contact, and I know what you're going to do, and so I'm going down for it. Well, and it's the same reason to make a maybe a, hopefully a decent comparison like say in basketball, you lightly touch a ball that goes out of bounds, but you're still going to point the ref that way because you hope that you pointing your direction is going to be that smidge of influence that it's going to take for you to get the ball. Yeah. And I think that's ultimately what flopping comes down to is it's that smidge of influence, that that hesitation of doubt that you, he did get fouled. And well, and and the referees over the weekend took. A lot of heat, and rightfully so for some of them, because we also had it going the other way. It was clearly a foul, and they didn't call it because they thought he was flopping. Yeah. Well, if you thought he was flopping, letter of the of the law, it's a yellow card. So you know they would. No, I can't even remember what it's called. Um, I don't remember the term. Sorry, right, I'll but spare you here. It's. It's. I can't remember the term. Uh, I'll spare you here. On the as we we wrap up here, if you had if if one of the two teams, that being Croatia Morocco, is going to pull an upset, who's it going to be? Morocco. Uh, I think Croatia is going to take Argentina to the task, but I, I still, I mean, romantically, it's an Argentina France final, and I want it three one France, and Mbappe rides off into the sunset. I have you know back to back World Cups. His coach will have done back to back World Cups and won one as a player. So, I mean, that's just that's the that's the you know. But everybody wants Messi to win, and I know you do because you've got you've got something more riding on it. But well, you could be like my buddy who put bets on Argentina and France for yeah. the whole thing. So he's really hoping he ends up in a win win situation. But anyways, that's gonna do it for episode fifty six. We hope we have uh, romanticized your eardrums here for the last twenty five minutes or so. Thank you, of course, to my producer Jeff Mulvahill of InstaImage.com, uh, as always, for his work behind the the control board here. That's gonna do it for episode fifty six and we will catch you guys next week. Take it easy. 